Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 2, Episode 7, titled Beginnings, Part 1. The first part of an epic two-part arc telling the story of the very first Avatar. God, I... I cannot tell you how long I have been eagerly, eagerly anticipating the chance to talk about this particular storyline, to talk about this particular arc. It is incredible. This arc is absolutely extraordinary. I love pretty much everything about it. Like, it's a stroke of brilliance. Not only is it the only time in this season where it gets to be fully 10 out of 10 brilliant, because, you know, most of this season is problematic as all hell, as I've been mentioning, but I just, I love just on its own, what they did with this arc. They literally went back and said, hey, you know this whole mythology of the Avatar we've been building? Let's go back and talk about the creation of it. Let's talk about this very first Avatar. And let's talk about how the world morphed from some simplistic, prehistoric, arrogant, ignorant, whatever... To what it is now. How did we get the four elements? How did we get the four nations? How did we get... The Avatar. The way we have the Avatar now. And it's extraordinary. It really, really is. I love it so much. I especially love, like, how they execute this narrative, how they construct this narrative. It almost feels like a Greco-Roman myth or a fairy tale, a classic fairy tale, like, in its execution. Like, it has kind of the elements of just, we're gonna explain every aspect of this world through absolutely bizarre means through absolutely bizarre fantastical means and this literally is a story being told to Korra by the way this literally is a story being told to Korra who has still lost her memory who still has her little amnesia bout 
This literally is a story told to Korra by her past lives. Which leans more into the Greco-Roman myth or fairy tale comparison. Like, that is what it feels like. And I kind of love that construction. I kind of love the fact that they went with that parallel. I also really, really adore the change in animation style that they take on for this arc. Like, it's very simplistic. It's very rigid. It's very imperfect. Sort of how this society is at this moment. Like, it's very flat, very two-dimensional, very... Very simple. Simple animation for a simple time period. And it even further conveys... Like, the... Rigid storytelling nature... Uh, the rigid mytho fairy tale nature of this narrative. And I love, I love, I love, I love every single aspect of how they expand this world into the ancient times where bending was not much of a thing and spirits ran wild in the spirit wilds. Like, I love every little bit of it that they introduce here. Uh, the fact that humans lived on lion turtle cities. <laughs> and that there's a bunch of lion turtle cities, but everyone in every lion turtle city believes they're the only lion turtle city. They're literally on the backs of lion turtles. And every time they leave, they borrow the elements from the lion turtle. Every time they leave said city... They go to the lion turtle and be like, Great lion turtle, please let us bend this thing. And the lion turtle does a little energy bending thing that a lion turtle taught to Aang in Sozin's Comet. So now we have all that like little synergy circular storytelling deal. And it's like, okay, I will give you the element, which... Kind of makes perfect sense since Aang used energy bending to take away someone's bending. That a lion turtle could use it to give someone bending. That's kind of a brilliant idea. But they like they literally borrow the elements from the lion turtles. In the case of Wan City, that element was fire. And they would go out into the spirit wilds and borrow fire for the time. But it was very, like, it was thought of as a weapon. It was thought of as some tool. It wasn't thought of as an extension of oneself until Juan got fire permanently. And started training with it for years and years and years and years and years. And, and let's talk about the Spirit Wilds. I love that we see there was a time where... The spirits just ran around on Earth. The spirits just ran wild on Earth. And people would go out and they'd go on spirit hunts like hunting any other animal. They'd use bending to defend themselves. The spirits would be this malevolent force. Uh, they're little spirit oasises every once in a while. And they're just kind of separated from humans but still very much there. They're very much ingrained in society and there's also this deal where 
a spirit can possess a human for a while, and in doing so, kind of turn him into some sort of freak. Like, ugh, it's great. And the whole little parable of Juan showing everyone that they can live in the spirit wilds, they don't have to be in the city to be safe, as long as they have the power of fire, they can defend themselves. So, like, everyone just goes out of this tyrannical regime. And let's talk about the character of Juan. Juan is a great character. I freaking adore Juan. Because he's literally just some guy. He's just some guy who happens to be a bit rebellious, who just wants some independence, who just wants to forge his own path outside of the higher-ups of his city. And he starts that quest for being independent by, you know, trying to steal from these people. But then he's like, yeah, I'm banished, so, um, guess I'm good? Guess I'm okay? Uh, guess I can just walk around here with fire and defend myself? And, like, as he continues to spend more time in the spirit wilds, as he continues to spend more time with certain spirits, like this weird little monkey thing, which is amazing, which is bizarre and incredible. Like, as they're going around, he's sort of becoming enlightened, and he's having his eyes opened. He's seeing more of the bigger picture of what the world is, rather than just being like, Oh, my little lion turtle deal. That's the world. Like, this is literally a story. Juan is almost like the Christopher Columbus of his frickin' of this universe. Only without the, you know, racial oppression that Christopher Columbus actually did. But he's like... He's like the dude that, like, goes in for this very meaningless, very run-of-the-mill reason. And then comes out being like, oh my god, there's so much more to the world than we initially realized. I've had my eyes opened. It's kind of an incredible dynamic for them to put in here. Uh, I freaking love the opening sequence where uh, Korra is being brought in by these sages, and they're like, go into the waters, they will cleanse your... your avatar spirit or whatever. And then Korra just goes through this ethereal vision of literally seeing herself, and then Aang, and then Roku, and then Kiyoshi, and then, uh, Korok. I couldn't remember the name of that other waterbending avatar. And her past lives are basically telling her, you need to find Rava. You need to learn this ancient history of the Avatar in order to reconnect with your Avatar spirit. If you don't, darkness will consume this entire world and the Avatar's cycle will be broken and uh, everything is going to suck. Okay, bye. And so that's how she sort of goes into this story. And you see... You see her come face to face with Juan, and Juan's like, I'm Juan. I'm going to tell you the story of how I became the first Avatar. And then it, like, seamlessly cuts into him running away from the Chews. 
it's a really artful, really brilliant opening sequence. And I love everything about it. Uh, you get that whole scene with the hunt. Going out and doing the hunt. Which is really cool. And it's actually a really brilliant plan on Juan's part to be like, I'll go on the hunt and take fire from the lion turtle. And then I'll chicken out and go back without telling the lion turtle that I still have fire. And I went back into the city. So now I have fire in the city and I'm going to do this raid on the chews. Like, it's it's kind of a brilliant plan if not for the fact that he got banished because of it. Uh, but he conducts this big raid on the chews in this really, really awesome action sequence. Uh, that I absolutely love of him using fire on these people who had, like, never fought a firebender before, clearly. But then, of course, he gets banished, and you get this amazing scene of him begging the lion turtle. Look, I, I get it. I accept my punishment. I broke the natural order. Whatever. Just let me keep fire so I can defend myself while in the spirit wilds. And the lion turtle, like, takes pity on him. Like, yeah, cool. You can keep fire. Just don't come back. And so you get this whole sequence of trying to survive... In those spirit wilds. Just walking along. Uh, bumping into all these spirits. This one little then giant frog spirit. Uh, he sees what looks like food. But is really just a bunch of bug spirits. And then he comes across this oasis. At his lowest possible moment. And basically like keeps trying to get in. Uh, he goes in as... Bushy, the bush spirit. <laughs> Tries to get into the oasis to, uh, to relax and unwind and, you know, help himself to survive. And these spirits just won't allow him in. And so he goes on this quest to, like, find the other lion turtle cities. And in the process, comes across this, uh, What's the name of it? It was something deer. Cat deer, I think it was. Comes across this cat deer. That was caught by the hunters who he scammed. Before he got banished. And he decides to help this helpless animal. He basically ditches his primal instinct of. Kill everything, eat everything. That was drilled into him. By the way he previously lived and by how he had to survive. And it's just like, no, I'm going to defend this animal. And fights off these hunters. And then, of course, spirits see this, let him into the oasis. And he spends years there refining his fire training. And then we get this ending. We get this amazing, amazing ending. After we see how his actions have affected... Uh, the city. All of his all of its occupants leaving. We get this ending where he leaves. He's going on this journey on his own. And then he runs into Rava and Vatu. And makes the mistake because, like, he sees Rava is keeping Vatu down. Rava is holding down Vatu. He makes the bad assumption that Rava is bullying Vatu... But then Vatu leaves, 
And then Rava fills Juan in on the fact that, like, I am the spirit of light and peace. Vatu is the spirit of darkness and chaos. You just let chaos into the world. You just completely destroyed the balance. Screw you. You're an idiot. So now, like, the world has plunged into chaos, and it's totally Juan's fault. Because he saw two all-powerful spirits fighting and destroying everything. He saw one spirit being held down by another and assumed that one was the victim when really that one was literally pure evil. And so the second part is going to be the fallout of this. I am very excited to talk about the fallout of that. I am very excited to talk about where this arc goes from here because, oh my god, this arc is so good. Oh my god, it is brilliant. It is absolutely extraordinary. I love it so much. We'll talk about that on the next episode. Uh, If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or... If that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 2, Episode 8. Talk to you then.